Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part review, part recap, so there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! This is episode 33 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. This is your host, M. In this episode, we will be talking about First Love Again, episodes five and six. Six is actually the final episode of the show. Cutie Pie, episodes four and five, and Not Me, episodes 13 and 14. Just a little housekeeping note. Most of this episode was recording recorded all at one time, except for episode 14 of Not Me, and that was done purposely because I wanted to talk about episode 13 without sort of being uh, clouded by whatever I'm going to see in episode 14. So I got that all out of the way first. And then so that I could talk about my reaction fresh after seeing episode 14 of Not Me, which will be the final episode for the series, unless we get a special. So starting off with First Love Again, episodes five and six, this is a Korean BL that can be found on Vicky. It is about our writer, Yeonsuk, who for some reason remembers his previous lifetimes. And in his previous lifetimes, he was in love with Hyeyeon. He was never able to be with her. And now in this lifetime, he meets Hyeyeon again. But this time, Hyeyeon is in the form of a man. And it causes some confusion in him. He doesn't know what to do until finally he decides he's just going to go for it. And so by episode five, they are together. They're having a good time. They've both admitted that they like each other. But Yeonsuk is experiencing some jealousy because remember, Hyeyeon has that childhood friend who always seems to be hanging around him in his orbit, appearing out of the shadows every time they're getting close to each other and just always being around. And so that causes Yeonsuk to have some jealousy. The good thing about him is that at least on that part, he's very honest and straightforward in saying that he's jealous <laughs> because, uh, you know, Young kind of confronts him about it and he doesn't, he just tells the truth about how he really feels. But after all of this happiness, at the end of the episode, Young finds a photo of Yeonsuk with the female version of Young. It's a black and white photo of the past and he starts kind of experiencing flashbacks of his previous life and obviously he's very confused and he's scared and he just winds up brushing away from the apartment because he just doesn't know how to deal with it he doesn't know if Yansuk really loves him for him or if he loves the previous version of him he's he doesn't really know his feelings he's kind of scared to find out his feelings and he's also feeling deceived because that means Yansuk knew all this time kind of who he was and approached him, you know, sort of because of wanting to get the love of, from his previous life. So it's kind of putting him at an unfair disadvantage, right? Episode six, they spend most of it apart. Yansuk is tr- kind of trying to respect Young's boundaries, give him some space. He thinks that that's what Young needs, that Young doesn't want to see him. And this kind of allows their childhood friend to get closer to Young. But Yansuk is also reflecting at the same time, like he has a show. They've shown clips of it in previous episodes where he has a sh- he's on a show being interviewed where he talks about his, his 
romance books and everything. And in this show, people get to ask him questions. And one of the things is, is if there's a misunderstanding between you and someone else, what should you do? And his feeling this whole time has been to give the person space because as much as it hurts you to be away from them, it also hurts that person to kind of have maybe have you hovering around and questioning what's going on. But the host also points out that you need to clear this misunderstanding, right? Maybe if you clear the misunderstanding, first of all, that'll clear up the relationship, but also maybe you'll be able to rebuild the relationship if you just clear whatever the misunderstanding is. And so that causes him to think and he realizes that he really should be talking to Young about it. And the final push is that he hears that Young might be moving away to go back to America where he had been before so that he could live with his childhood friend and go to school. And that's the final push that Young needs to finally... I don't want to say confront, but to finally see Hey Young and tell him straight out he loves him. And it's not because of the past. He just loves him for him, the current Hey Young, and he wants to be with him. And so we get our happy ending. And this has been a really sweet show. I actually didn't even realize it was six episodes, but in episode five, you realize because, that, you know, you have the big, big misunderstanding that you get in all <laughs> BL dramas and they get together in episode six. But this actor who plays Yun Suk, uh, I really like him. He, he's got a lot of, I mentioned before in a previous podcast, he's got these cute expressions. He's kind of befuddled a lot of times. He doesn't really know what to do. But also when Hyun winds up leaving, he really shows Yun Suk, uh, the actor Jin Gun playing Yun Suk, really shows the devastation that this character feels because he's been missing. He, he was not able to get together with his love 300 years of trying to get together he finally thinks he's achieved it even having had to work through his feelings and having realized that he loves the current version of Hey young that he's not clinging to the past even with all of these revelations that he's had about himself he still winds up losing his love or it seems like he's going to wind up losing his love and it's very devastating for him and you really do get that feeling of desperation and devastation from the actor so I really like that. Um, the one who plays Hyun is, you know, he's playing kind of this cutesy <laughs> character. I don't know if he's acted in anything before. He doesn't seem necessarily as polished as the actor who's playing Yun Suk, but that's just my perception. Maybe he's been in a lot of things, but I thought they were good together. I thought it had good chemistry and I liked the storyline. Uh, it wasn't, I kept saying it was 20 minutes per episode, but actually it's a little longer. Some of them are about 20 minutes, some are like 30 minutes. So they did get a chance to really develop the storyline. The relationship between the two was believable. I believed it. It was wrapped up maybe slightly quickly in the end with the childhood friend just being like, okay, <laughs> you stay with him and I'll just go off. Even though it seemed like he, he liked him and wanted to be with him too, he gave him up kind of quickly. So that was kind of wrapped up really quickly, but but not in an unbelievable way because we knew they wanted to be together anyway. So that was believable in that sense. So I will say this for John Chang'a, who is the one who plays Hyun in the drama. He's got a really sweet voice. Um, <laughs> I actually happened to be watching some reactions to these Korean singers who are actually reacting to uh, Afgan, their side, their song, My Side for the Drama Not Me. And just looking through some of their videos, one of them mentioned that he actually 
had starred in this in First Love again, not as the main actor, but he was in this. And I hadn't even realized it was him. And then I went back and looked and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's someone who works in the office with uh, Hyun. But he has a cover that he put of the Just Friends by Bad by Nanan from Bad Buddy. But singing with him is John Chang'a, who is the one who plays Hyun here in first love again and he's got a really sweet voice uh if i remember <laughs> uh hopefully i will put a link to it in the show notes so you can go and check out his singing well check out the singing of two people from from first love again so next up we've got cutie pie episodes four and five and cutie pie is on the Mandy channel on youtube so it's free go check it out and if you remember cutie pie is about Kua and Lian, whose families have arranged for them to be married when, really when Kua comes of age, because he is younger than Lian. He's basically loved Lian his whole life, but he gets to a point where he's not sure if Lian loves him back. And so he decides he's going to break the engagement. Lian does not agree with that and is trying everything he can to, to make Kua stay in the engagement. And Kua just doesn't trust him anymore because he feels like Leanne has been treating him very coldly, which Leanne kind of has been treating him coldly. But the reason for that is that he feels Kua is not being truthful with him, which is really the truth because Kua has this whole life as Kieran, a singer in a nightclub, and Leanne knows nothing about it. So he's got this whole side and talent to himself that he's holding to himself that Leanne doesn't know. And so Leanne basically is trying to like shock him like a shock treatment to get him to come clean and to show his true self so that they can obviously go into a marriage showing their true selves. But he's the one who winds up being shocked when Kua is like, I don't want to be engaged anymore. So episode three ended with Lian visiting Kua's house to tell him that he was taking Kua back to his house to live with him. Kua is like, uh, no, <laughs> we've already talked about this. Remember, we're no longer engaged. And Leanne's like, I don't know, agree to the engagement. And in episode four, it starts off with they're still basically having this argument. Kua had run up to his room. Leanne comes through the balcony door into the bedroom and tells him, you know, you're coming to live with me. Your mom has already agreed to it, which Kua does not believe his mom would ever agree to that. So they give her a call and she's like, yes, absolutely. You need to go live with Leanne which shocks Kua. And, you know, the doors are closed. He has no idea what to do now. Mom has said, yes, I, I agree to this. And so what does he do now? So he tries to negotiate with Leanne to give him a month to prepare himself. Leanne says, no way. And they they negotiate to three days. <laughs> so he's, Kua only has three days to prepare himself on being in the house with someone that he truly loves, but that he doesn't think loves him in return. Now, if you recall uh, from the previous episodes, after Kua had gotten drunk, Leanne had taken him home. So Leanne knows about Kua's secret home. He knows that he's a singer in the club. He knows everything, but Kua does not know that Leanne knows this. And specifically, he doesn't know that Leanne knows about his home. So he's trying to kind of test Leanne's knowledge about what exactly it is that he knows, but Leanne's playing coy. He's not letting anything go. And so every time Kua tries to like back off, Leanne's like, well, why can't you come with me? What are you hiding? And of course, Kua can't say anything because he doesn't know what exactly it is that Leanne knows. In this episode, we also learn a little bit more about our side couple, Yi and Dao. 
we learn that Yi, as he says, he he did something bad to Dao. You don't know exactly what it is, but that he feels a sense of kind of guilt and responsibility towards Dao. And that's why he's always trying to find out where he is and stuff, because he really wants to make sure of his well-being. He doesn't want him being hurt or scared um, because of whatever it was that he did to him in the past. And he says that Dao has lost some of his memories, actually, and that it is his fault. It's Yi's fault. He doesn't explain in this episode. We will, you know, find out more later, I'm sure. But this, it's kind of a parallel storyline with these two as well, because Dao is also lying in a way to Yi. Uh, he, it turns out that he is a part-time instructor at a, I believe it's a Taekwondo school. And for some reason, he keeps this hidden from Yi. So both Dao and Kua have this whole other side and life to themselves that their partners know nothing about or they think their partners know nothing about. In the case of Dao, Yi actually followed him and saw him being a teacher in the Taekwondo school. And actually he looks at him with, you know, he smiles with fondness. And so he's not angry about it, but he's probably just wondering like, why lie about this? It's not like he's doing something illegal or something bad. He's doing something positive. He's teaching young children Taekwondo, but he's just watching him be a teacher and you can tell he's a little also kind of fascinated by this this whole other life that that Dao has. Episode four uh, ends, continues and ends with Kua finally going with Lian to his house. It's really sad in the car ride there because so before that, actually, you get a little flashback. These Kua has these two stuffed animals that he's always with, particularly the blue one. He's always talking to him as if that's Leanne, <laughs> a substitute for Leanne. So he's got these two dolls with him in the car in the back of the limo with Leanne as they drive to the new house. And he's just thinking of when he broke his engagement, right? And how Leanne treated him, how Leanne was cold with him and how he was basically crying during that time. And it causes him to cry again. And he buries his head in the in the stuffed animals. And you see Leanne looking at him and feeling bad, obviously, like he wants to say something, maybe he wants to comfort him, but he doesn't. He doesn't say anything. He just you know, is kind of sadly looking at Kua as Kua is having this little breakdown in the back of the car and you're kind of just like say something <laughs> just come out with the truth let him know that you know <laughs> that he's Karen and he's got this whole other life and he's got this amazing singing talent just let him know just stop playing these games <laughs> but he doesn't and the scene actually cuts away and the next thing is them going into the house so you just I guess just assume that he never says anything to him and Kua seems better all better so I don't know. I don't know what the resolution was there, but it's obvious that it obvious that he's pretty nervous because he's walking in and he's still he's holding these stuffed animals so tightly because he just he doesn't know what to expect at all. He's just flabbergasted by how Leanne is acting and how Leanne doesn't want to let him go. Right. Because he didn't seem to want him in the first place. So why isn't he letting him go now? But they get to the house. He looks around. He's impressed by Leanne's style and how he really likes his style and what he doesn't really realize that house you can tell is made for him. Leanne has decorated it and made the whole house basically for Kua. It's just that Kua doesn't realize it. There's not really a ton that happens in episode five I would say. It's kind of more of this same kind of thing where Kua is exploring the home. Leanne goes to work Kua is exploring the home and he's kind of marveling at Leanne's style, not realizing again that most of the things there Leanne is really 
done in Kua style, just for Kua's comfort. And one of the things in episode four, they passed by this door and that Leanne's like, whatever you do, don't go into that room, which of course is going to make Kua want to go into the room. So pretty much as soon as Leanne leaves her work, Kua goes into the room and the room has a bunch of musical equipment in it and a note from Leanne kind of saying, this is for you. So which Kua's like, is this a trap? Because <laughs> everything that Leanne does at this point, Kua doesn't trust. He doesn't want to I said before, he doesn't want to fall in love again, right? But he's, he can't, it can't be again. He's in love. He's not out of love. He's never fallen out of love, but he doesn't want to expose his feelings again. He doesn't want to put it all out there because he just thinks he's going to be hurt again. And so he doesn't really think that Leanne is doing any of these things, or he can't conceive of that Leanne would do any of these things for him because he doesn't trust him. So he just thinks it's a game or he's got something up his sleeve. Leanne's got his work cut out for him. (laughs) I don't know how he's going to make Kua trust him again. In the background as well, he's kind of doing dealings. He meets with uh, Jay, who is played by Perth, who is the owner of the nightclub next to Leanne's nightclub. And he tries to become his partner because that'll give him an in in the club where Kua performs. And, you know, he wants to be there for that. But how I wonder how Kua is going to perceive Leanne owning part of the club. So this is just a bunch of people not being honest with each other (laughs) and all hiding parts of themselves. So let's see what happens there. I'm curious to see how Leanne is going to get Kua to trust him. Uh, In the meanwhile, Yi confronts Dao, you know, tells him or lets him know he knows he's been teaching in the school and, you know, wondering like, why would you lie about this kind of thing? And so they come to an understanding. Dao is very relieved and tells Kua on the phone I'm so relieved that now that he knows the truth really telling Kua like you you need to complain you need to tell the truth but of course Kua is not going to do it and I had forgotten actually that not only is he lying to Leanne and his family about singing in this club but also he had changed his major in college and so at one point Leanne is like I'll drive you to school which of course freaks Kua out because (laughs) He has changed his major. Uh, They think he's studying engineering and he's studying mechanics. So that's yet another part of his life that he is hiding from Leanne, which based on Leanne's expressions, I think he does know that Kua has changed his major. But again, he doesn't just come out and tell him, I know the truth. Don't lie about it or you don't have to lie about it. He's just, you know, playing his game, which really is not. I don't think that's a good strategy when you're trying to get someone to trust you, but that's just me. We've also got that new student at the school, Nur, being kind of weird. And it looks like in episode six, he is going to kind of make a move or flirt or whatever with Kua. So let us see what happens with that. I still can't figure out what his deal is, whether he's working for Leanne or whether he's working for one of the parents. I don't know what his deal is, but I'm still really liking the show. Even though half the time I'm just thinking like, Leanne, just come out and tell the truth already. It's also really fun watching Kua squirm. <laughs> so, so, so far I'm liking it. And uh, yeah, I think they're fine continuing the way they are. Not a ton happens in some of the episodes, but that's fine. The show is called Cutie Pie. It's really just about everyone being cute, right? <laughs> so it doesn't have to be a really deep storyline. It could be if it wanted to, but it doesn't have to be. And then next up, we've got episodes 13 and 14 of Not Me. Uh, Just a reminder, I'm recording episode 13 now. It's all part of the one recording with Cutie Pie. And 
first love again but episode 14 of not me i'm gonna record separately and then just attach to this so just apologies in advance if the audio quality sounds different or anything it's just it was recorded separately so in episode 13 they go on their mission to take the drugs that were found in tawi's warehouse dan is supposed to he has a contact police contact who's gonna help them with this part of their plan they're trying to expose tawi but as they're driving they encounter a roadblock and they believe that dan has betrayed them they don't they don't know what to do in this circumstance sean decides to drive through the roadblock and as part of this york gets shot and so you know everyone's frantic they don't know what to do if they take him to the hospital obviously in the hospital they're going to ask how did he get shot so they do wind up having to take him they have no choice because he loses consciousness at the same time that all of this is going on black has gone to todd's uh I was going to call it a warehouse again. I keep doing that to his penthouse (laughs) to confront him. They get into a fight. Todd winds up getting the upper hand, kind of with the help of some of his guards. And, you know, one person has the gun. Black has the gun first. Then Todd has the gun. Then Black gets the gun again. (laughs) It's just the whole back and forth. And um, as Todd says, we can't kill each other. (laughs) They can't. They're friends. As much as they're fighting and, you know, Todd even puts Black in the hospital, right? That's how the whole thing began. Black in the hospital in a coma because of being beaten up by Todd's people. As much as they're doing all this back and forth, they still, neither one of them can kill the other. And after this confrontation, it goes away from them. So you don't really know what happened. And we see the whole thing going on with Yoke being in the hospital. And Dan and Sean and Gumpa and Graham are all waiting in the hospital, um, you know, for him to be taken care of. You kind of keep you keep seeing white on his phone, and Sean asks him about asks him about it, and he says that he's updating to social media about the about what's gone on because remember he had been doing that before. That's how other people in the community kind of joined their fight and started protesting because of white secretly posting things to social media about what they had been doing to fight against Tawi. And he tells Sean he's doing that this time. I kind of feel that he was actually in communication with the Black during this time, actually, telling him what was going on uh, and that things weren't working, right? And also, Black was over there fighting Todd as well, so <laughs> which White would have been feeling. So he might have also been in communication with him as well, like, oh, what's happening? Anyway, Yoke finally gets taken care of as, as much as he could be with a gunshot wound. And they decide they're going to sneak him out of the hospital. Unfortunately, as they are sneaking out, who comes appearing from around the corner? But Dan. And he looks like he has betrayed them, which Sean is probably thinking, I knew all along, right? Yuck is completely devastated by this. First, his tears, the actor first, the tears are just pouring down his face. He can't believe it. On the other hand... I almost feel like he's like not fully surprised, like expecting this was always a possibility. We do see flashbacks here where Dan was taken from his police precinct, not kidnapped or anything, but taken from the police precinct to go meet someone. They did, he did not know where he was going at one point. He meets with someone who is obviously someone of power and the person basically threatens Dan's parents if he continues going through with whatever plan it is that he's doing. So he has a choice to make. And I mean, anyone with that choice would think, you know, to save their parents or what can he do, right? I still am not sure about this, whether he did fully betray them, whether this was all part of a plan. That's why I wanted to record actually this podcast now, 
so that it wouldn't, when I watch episode 14, it wouldn't influence what I had been thinking now. So I wanted to get these thoughts out now. We see Dan in this episode meeting with his police contact earlier. We don't know if this was part of the plan. We don't know if Dan had a backup plan where he knew he himself might have been betrayed. When they are about to go onto the elevator after they're being arrested in the, in the hospital, the first police officer goes into the elevator. Who should appear in the corner but Black? who knocks the guy out and then goes to try to go for the other officer who takes out a gun and almost shoots at them. And Dan stops them. And he says, you know, this is all I can do for you. But why was Black there? Did Dan call Black to be there? Was it, as I said, White, who had been, I think, in communication with him the whole time, texting with him? So we don't know. We don't know exactly what's going on with Dan. We had seen as well earlier in the episode, he and Yoke talking and Dan is like, I may not see you for a long time. Will you wait for me? So he's fully expecting something to happen to him. I don't know if it's to be arrested or or something, but he thinks something's going to happen that's going to prevent him and Yuck from riding off into the sunset together. So big battle, big tense scene at the end of the episode. And actually the preview for episode 14, Black is going to distract police who are trying to storm the building that knows that every all these people are there and in the meantime the rest of the gang is leaving the building and someone pulls up in a van and is like i'm here to make you disappear whatever and who who is that it looks like it's it's tawi's man but it could be someone that todd has sent as well because we don't know what happened with todd we know that he was not able to kill black that he would probably never be able to do that and that they are friends so it may be Todd helping them, who, who is going to help them escape. It also could be a, a plan that Dan had all along with someone to help them escape. We just don't know until we see episode 14. So, you know, once again, a lot of fine acting in this episode. First, the devastation on his face, on Yok's face, at the possible betrayal from Dan. Dan also devastated because he sees the way Yok is looking at him. Yok you know, not trusting him anymore, basically. And he feels terrible that he's hurt Yuck. And if his parents were threatened, there's no way he can tell Yuck, you know, this is what happened. Off playing Sean, you can tell feeling very bad for Yuck and that Yuck has been betrayed in this way. And actually, I'm going to give a shout out to Singh in this episode because his whole fight with Black, with Gun was done very well. Not the physical aspects of the fight. I mean, these guys are doing very well in action, but Singh's expressions as he's talking to Black. He doesn't want to hurt Black at all. He wants Black to come to his side. He wants them to be together. I don't know in what way. Some people feel there's some kind of tension, you know, UST between them. I, I don't know. But at the very least, he wants their friendship to be back on track. And you know, when people have that expression, this will hurt me more than it hurts you. I think he kind of feels that way. He's fighting black, but he's hurting himself emotionally, mentally at the same time as he's fighting blacks. And I think Singh did a very good job of portraying those conflicting emotions within Todd. So I'm, I haven't fully been invested in Todd's story because we don't see him in every episode like you see the other characters, but I'm really curious in episode 14 what's going to happen or what he's been up to since we, since we last saw him fighting Black in episode 13. So I'm really looking forward to it. I am so hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, I'm so hoping that they give us a special. I know we won't get a season two because we don't normally get season twos with BL, but a special would be nice. Actually, at one point when they were in the truck here, not in the truck, actually when White and Sean were on the roof, White asked Sean, what do you plan to do after this mission is over? And Sean basically says, you know, I'm going to keep up the good fight, 
right? There's always things to to fight for, to fight against. So they could do countless seasons if they wanted to, because unfortunately, yes, there are injustices in the world that always need someone to stand up to them. But um, I don't think we'll get that. But at the very least, I would love a special episode. Episode 14 starts off very tense with the group having to try to escape from the hospital with a very injured yuck. And Black is there, of course. He's the one who helped them against the police, you know, to help them escape. He tells them to go ahead and he'll distract the police and go out on his own, which, of course, White does not want to do that. He's been separated enough from his brother and he's not sure what will happen, but this is the first thing, like Sean says, um, you know, he hates to agree with him, but he's right. And so they do, they do as Black says. And it's very touching because Black asks Sean to take care of his little brother for him, you know, accepting him in his own way, having to accept him really. Again, we get to see action star Gun because a good portion of part one is Gun fighting the police and escaping from the hospital. And Gun just does a really good job as an action star. I mean, who knew? <laughs> I've seen him in so many things and he's usually playing, you know, a cute kind of role. I've never even thought of him as playing an action role, but he's really good as Black. My feelings about Black and White have shifted over the course of the show, but I like him as Black. Let's just put it that way, because I'm going to give my final thoughts later. But so anyway, a big fight scene. Black manages to escape. But in the meanwhile, White and company actually get kidnapped. One of Tawi's men is waiting for them outside of the hospital as they're trying to leave, hustles them into a van, and now they are stuck. And then we get into this very emotional scene in the van where you know, they're all scared. They have no idea what's going on. So in this van are Gumpa, Graham, Sean, White, and Yoke, of course. And Yoke is injured on top of all of this. But it's very emotional. They think that they they are being taken to be killed. And Yoke is worried about his mom. He almost in a way is saying like, it's better if they kill me than if they take us to disappear somewhere because at least she'll be able to mourn me if I'm dead. But if I'm just missing for the rest of her life, she'll she'll never know what happened to her son. And I love the scene between White and Sean because White is saying to Sean, if you need to cry, go ahead and cry here, cry now. Because when we leave this van, we're not going to cry in front of them. I don't want you to cry in front of them. We haven't lost by being here, you know, we've still won, but we don't give uh, these people the satisfaction of seeing them cry. And they are stuck in the back of this van for several minutes, proceeding on their way. And then all of a sudden, the van is being taken through an area where a crowd of protesters is, who somehow know that some kidnapped people are in this van. It's on social media. And I guess Nucci did this somehow, because later on you see Graham thanking Nucci. But in any case, somehow it's on social media that there are kidnapped people in this van. The van becomes surrounded by the protesters and Tawi's men have no choice. They cannot continue because the, the crowd, the van is surrounded and the people in the crowd manage to free all of our heroes from the back of this van. And obviously it's a big relief for all of them to, to be alive when they thought that they were being taken to, to be killed, to be you know thrown in the river or who knows what. So because it is the final episode, there are kind of some moments of closure in this episode. You know, we get to see what, not what happens to them in the future, but what they hope to happen, basically. Gumpa talks about continuing the fight, kind of being a mentor to the younger people. Because as he says, we, we never, I think, learn his exact age, but he says that he's from another generation. So I'm guessing that means it's like 10 years older than the other guys, maybe. Yok uh, has his art exhibit. And in this art exhibit is the portrait, the naked portrait that he did of Dan. 
And so of course, he's feeling very emotional as, as he's looking at this portrait and he's seeing, you know, Dan's sad eyes in the portrait. And also at this exhibit is Dan. And Dan, of course, is just mournful about how their relationship ended and just everything that went down because he did betray them. Remember, I recorded episode, my thoughts on episode 13 before this one, because I didn't want my thoughts to be clouded. And in episode 13, I was still thinking, oh, maybe he didn't really betray them and everything like that. But yeah, it turns out he really did. But again, he was between a rock and a hard place. He was between York and he was between his parents who had been threatened. So he did kind of betray them. But as he says here, he wound up quitting the police force. And I'm actually not sure how I feel about that because yes, he is trying to fight against the system and York is kind of like, well, how can you do that and still be part of the system? But on the other hand, if all of the good people, quote unquote, the good apples leave the system, then that just leaves the rotten apples in the system. <laughs> so I I'm not sure about his decision, but of course that's his own personal decision he had to make. And it was just becoming too much of a burden for him to be in there, obviously, because he's, again, he's in a system that he thinks is not working. But on the other hand, I could see where he might've been able to do good works being part of that system. But anyway, he chose to leave and he reunites with Yok and Yok punches him in the face, <laughs> which I thought, you know, okay. <laughs> because of course, Yok is upset. Dan broke his promise. He said he would stay by his side and Yok got shot and really hurt in the process of everything that happened. So yeah, he was a little upset, but he got his punch in and then he kind of forgave Dan. And I actually like that scene because it showed they're real people. They're real people who make mistakes. Yes, we're watching a drama and we love the, the big romance and everything. Sometimes we watch dramas, but it's also good to, to see realistic relationships. People may make mistakes. They say sorry. Some things can be fixed and some can't. Some trust can be earned back and some can't. We, I saw some people on Twitter saying like, oh, there was no kiss between Dan and York at the end, but their relationship might not be at that point yet. You know, York was really betrayed and first he's going to have to forgive Dan, forgive him just as a human being, let alone take him back as a, as a love interest. Graham got his happy ending with Eugene. I'm just not fully invested in that relationship. Honestly, it just didn't work for me, but you know, good for him. He got his happy ending. Sean and White. I'm assuming you're going to continue the good fight. They're still together. As Sean had said earlier, there were still things that they needed to fight for, right? And then Black kind of disappears for a while, or they think it's disappeared. Obviously, White knows Black is still okay, because if not, he would be feeling physically feeling an injury or something if, if Black wasn't okay. Earlier in this episode, in episode 14, we saw the big confrontation between Black and Todd fighting over the gun, or I should say episode 13. Episode 14 we see kind of the continuation or the flashback of what happens in which we learn that actually Black took hold of the gun again, got it back. And as he said, did to Todd what Todd did to him. And then we see a close-up of Todd in the hospital, a black and blue mess, I'm assuming in a coma, <laughs> exactly as he did to Black, which is what started this whole show. And that's it. That's everyone's story kind of wraps up. You know, it's no secret. I really love this series a lot. I love that it had a true storyline with it just like Manner of Death, right? Murder mystery. This one, not a murder mystery. This is talking about social justice, about a gang. They were essentially a gang, things like that. I really loved that it was an actual storyline and not just BL romance. There were some threads that were left open though. We never saw mom and dad again. We don't know what's next in Black's life. We know he put Todd in the coma. 
<laughs> but we don't actually know what he's going to do next. And there's that whole bit, again, of Sean saying that there are still things he needs to fight for, right? So I think it's it's ripe for a season, for a special, or really a season two. I, you could get a season two. You could get many seasons out of someone fighting injustice. Personally, I'm rooting for a, a Black story because I loved Black. In the beginning, I was like, well, I said before he was a jerk. But just because I thought he was a jerk for a while doesn't mean that I didn't think he was a very interesting character. I think he's protective in his own way. And I think Gunn didn't. An excellent job playing this character, this person who's probably very underestimated because he is physically small, but that doesn't let him stop him from kicking butt, <laughs> which we see Black do as he's trying to escape the hospital. Certain aspects of the story did need to be tightened up. You know, the Graham thing for some reason just fell apart a little bit. That didn't quite work. Maybe they were trying to have too many couples. I had seen a little clip of Gunn talking about how they were actually filming while the show was going on. So I actually wondered if they had changed some of the script. I don't know if they knew in the beginning how popular Dad and Yoke were going to be. And so I wonder if they changed any of that storyline as well. And, you know, were other things sacrificed because of it? So I'm really glad I saw people finally talking about it on Twitter and Reddit and stuff. For a while, you know, everyone was talking about Bad, about bad Buddy. And Not Me was kind of flying under the radar, but I think people did kind of wake up to it finally. Um, I didn't actually watch the first couple of episodes as they came out just because I was watching so much other stuff. But then I did start, I caught up on those and then started watching it. And I was just like, believe me, every week I was just waiting for Sunday to come. And I wish that they had had the 16 episodes it was originally supposed to be. Because I do think the last episode in certain ways was a, was a bit rushed. That thing of them being saved from the van, it just happened very quickly in a way. Um, I did read a translation of Nucci the director saying that that was actually based on a true story. So I'm curious what the true story is. I, I don't know. But obviously chemistry between Off and Gun, <laughs> that's a given. I love seeing Mond. I didn't really know the actor who played Gumpa before. I don't really know him. First was a revelation. I thought he was great. I knew Gawain. He's part of the reason I watched the show. So I knew him before. I was so glad to see him in this serious kind of role. And I want to see him doing something like this again. The same way that I, I really want to see Gun doing action again. I don't know if he wants to. I've seen some of the behind the scenes and he got hurt a couple of times. So I don't know if he wants to do action, but I think it's something the fans <laughs> would be interested in seeing. Singh was really good in his role, you know, especially these two, these last two episodes, 13 and 14, his confrontation with Black. We get to see he really did care for his friend. He's just got a weird, they've got a weird kind of dysfunctional friendship relationship, but it's a lifelong friendship. And because of that, he's, as he says, they're, they're never going to be able to kill each other because of that lifelong friendship that they have. So kudos to director Nucci for giving us this, this unique storyline in the BL world, uh, this deep storyline, and to all the staff who worked on this show as well, who I'm thinking maybe were a bit nervous, you know, this kind of steps out of the box for BL. They did a great job with it as well. So kudos to them. And I hope we see more of this kind of, this kind of deep stories. So let me know what you think. If you have uh, any suggestions about other shows I might be looking at or you want to share your thoughts on any of the shows I've talked about here, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at DramaWatcher6 or send me an email at DramaWatcherNotes at gmail.com. And please like and subscribe. Next week, Cupid's Last Wish. I thought that was going to be the one that was starting. So they finally did confirm at the end of this. They showed the preview. Cupid's Last Wish. 
is next Sunday. It's replacing Not Me. I definitely will be watching that. So I definitely will be covering it in my podcast. So thanks again for joining me, for listening into this podcast, episode 33 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. And stay safe, everyone.